In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. First reading this weekend at Mass is six verses of the book of Sirach. As we've mentioned before on the show, the book of Sirach is named for Joshua ben Sirach, a teacher in Jerusalem about 180 years prior to Jesus. The book is a collection of his lectures, and today his lecture concentrates on the problem of sin. Does God force people to do evil? His answer, of course, is no. Sirach says that, rather, before man are life and death, good and evil. No one does God command to act unjustly, and to none does he give license to sin. According to Ben Sirach, people have the choice between good and evil, or, to use his own metaphor, fire and water. Just as with last week, St. Paul is playing on the concept of wisdom in our second reading. He says that if the rulers of this age knew God's wisdom, then they never would have crucified Jesus, or, as he refers to him, the Lord of glory. Remembering that crucifixion was an incredibly humiliating death in Jesus' time, just the very fact that Paul refers to Jesus crucified as the Lord of glory further illustrates the paradoxical wisdom of God compared to human wisdom. After that, Paul does something that's a bit comical. He quotes a passage from Scripture by saying, as it is written, except the thing is, what Paul then quotes isn't actually taken from anywhere specifically in the Bible. It's sort of like this. Imagine quoting a line from your favorite movie to a friend, but then watching that movie later on and realizing that you actually butchered the line. That's sort of like what Paul does here. He quotes scripture, but it's really some sort of combination of two verses from Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 3, and chapter 52, verse 15. Just picture Paul saying something like, oh yeah, it's like what Isaiah once wrote, and then trusting himself for memory, only for us to find out that maybe his memory wasn't the best. From there, we arrive at our next installment of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going to address four different topics here. Anger, lust, divorce, and oaths, and in that order. But before he does that, he says something to set the stage. Jesus says, Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law. These are general English translations of two words in Greek, iota and kariah. The iota, similar to the Hebrew yod, was the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet. Think of it, I suppose, like a lowercase i. But then on top of that, the karaya, which literally means a horn, was something like the stylistic hook on certain letters. Sort of like how a lowercase r has that tiny little top on it. Jesus is saying that, by his teaching, he's not changing even the smallest letter, or even the smallest little piece of a letter, from the law, As Jesus is talking about anger, he uses the word raka. It's an Aramaic word that St. Matthew just transliterates right into Greek. It means something like idiot, imbecile, or blockhead. It's a first century burn, to be certain, and it probably burned a bit more in that time since the meaning of names carried more weight than they might do today. Think of how Jesus means God saves, or how Peter means rock, and how those names demonstrated the purpose for their lives. Jesus says that if you're angry with someone, leave your gift at the altar and go to be reconciled before you finish up at the temple. This is all the more significant if we consider that he's speaking these words in Galilee, while the temple is in Jerusalem. What does that mean? If someone from Galilee traveled all the way up to Jerusalem to make an offering, and there recalled that his brother had something against him, 
Jesus is saying that that person should leave his gift at the altar in Jerusalem, go first all the way back to Galilee, be reconciled, and then come back to Jerusalem and offer the gift. That's quite a detour. When Jesus begins teaching on adultery, he makes mention of being thrown into Gehenna. What was Gehenna? It was an actual location in Jesus' day, a place southwest of Jerusalem where human sacrifices had once occurred. At the time of Jesus, however, it was something like a community trash heap, and it was constantly on fire, making it a perfect analogy for Jesus to use regarding eternal punishment. The last of Jesus' teachings in this passage concerns oaths. Now, swearing an oath was wildly popular at the time of Jesus, and so much so, in fact, that many people believed unless someone swore under oath to God, whatever he or she said was basically considered fair game to be a bold-faced lie. What's more, people would often slip into substitutes for swearing to God. For example, swearing by heaven, or by earth, or by Jerusalem, or by one's head. This is why, in the longer form of the Gospel this weekend, Jesus says that his followers should not swear at all. Not by heaven, by the earth, by Jerusalem, or even by your head. Jesus is requiring total honesty in every situation, which then makes oaths completely superfluous. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this sixth Sunday in ordinary time in year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.